Hola, Jumbo Ecabo. Welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please, dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Diola Teru, and I'm your host. Welcome. Hey, 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 we are back. Welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This is episode 68. And today, we are talking about breaking down retirement investing, like breaking it down 101. And so this is not the episode I had initially planned for this week, but based on conversations I've been having, a specific listener question, um, and then a reel my friend posted and people's response to that, um, I realized that it would be helpful if I broke this down like to the bare basics as simply as I possibly can. Now, I also think I should follow this up with a blog post at some point, um, but give me some time to get to the blog post. Let me finish this season of the episode and maybe during the break, I'll have time to like get a couple of blog posts up as well. And so if the topic of retirement investing or saving for retirement is confusing for you or someone you know, or you're trying to figure it out, especially after moving to another country, especially in the Western world, please listen to this episode. Please share this episode. So first, you know, I think first, let's just talk about the burden of being a sandwich generation. And I'll explain what that is, right? So growing up in Nigeria... My dad took care of his mom and was responsible for her welfare all of my life until she passed away um, in 2014, my grandmother. And so in my culture growing up and in many cultures around the world, it it is the norm, right? Um, The parents and extended family sometimes, you know, invest it all into you as the child. And then it's your and then you then turn around and take care of your parents, You know, people will joke and say, you know, the child is the parent's retirement plan. The fact is, that's the truth. Now, when many of us move abroad, we still have that responsibility. And yes, to an extent, for many of us, some of us, we we consider it a, a privilege and a blessing to take care of our parents, especially for those of us where parents sacrificed everything to give us the opportunities that we have today. And sometimes while our parents may sacrifice for us, it doesn't mean that we have things easy, but they give their all so we can have whatever it is that we have today. But on the flip side, I know of people where sometimes, you know, yes, we have we're grateful for our families, but sometimes that gratitude can keep us down. And this is not even talking about situations where their people or where parents don't even pour into their children, but they feel entitled to the fruits of their children's labor. And that's a topic for another day. So the sandwich generation is a generation of people typically in their 30s or 40s responsible for bringing up their own children. However, they're also responsible for the care and the provision of their aging parents. And so many of us are working hard so that we don't pass that same burden 
of being a sandwich generation to our children. Because to be honest, as much as it is a privilege, it can also be a burden and it is a lot to carry on the shoulders. And so that's why we're talking about saving and investing for retirement today. So why do we need to save or invest for retirement? So I think that it is important to do this because it lessens the burden for our children so that they can have the time and the space and the capacity to reach their full potential. I know many immigrants or people of color that may have the chance at certain opportunities, but they cannot afford to take that leap or take that risk because of the responsibilities that are on their shoulders. And so I think it is important to save for retirement because things have changed. And, you know, for example, my parents worked for their entire careers for one company. They work for the same company for most of their careers in Nigeria. And that company paid a pension. And so up until today, every month they get a pension until this day. And so for us, me and my siblings, while we do support my family, it's not to the extent where of someone that has to, you know, pay for the housing and pay for food, you know, we do have some breathing room. And that honestly has been wonderful. And I'm so thankful for that, even as a privilege. But the thing is, pension schemes that existed in my parents' time generally no longer exist. And I'll explain where I'm going with this. And so according to the percent, according to the CNN, right, the percentage of workers in the private sector in the U.S. whose only retirement account is a pension plan is now 4%. And that's down from 60% in the early 1980s. And so certain jobs like government jobs or teaching jobs and so on may still offer pension plans, but for the rest of us, we have to invest on our own for retirement. And I think for my people in Canada, because I know I have some Canadians listening, um, I think you also have employer-sponsored um, pension plans, but they are also becoming fewer and farther in between. But some Canadian companies um, still offer them. And so if you're listening and you're wondering, well, where do I start? I guess that I need to invest for retirement so I can, you know, at least help my kids out in that way if I don't have to be something on their list of monthly must-do bills, right? So I think it's still nice if kids want to, you know, help their parents, you know, give them some little luxuries or things that can make their lives more convenient. I think that's still something that's nice to do and, and a privilege to do. But it's different when you know that your parents have a roof over their head and have food to eat without you having to keep a certain job or have a certain level of income. And so if you're the person that's thinking about, well, what types of accounts can I use to save for retirement? I got you. So here are the types of accounts to save and invest for retirement, depending on what country you live in. So in the USA, you have the 401k or the 403b, those are the two popular ones, and those are the employment-related accounts. And then the IRA is one way you can use to invest for retirement on your own. In Canada, the group RSP is the employer program, while the TFSA is an account you can open on your own. And in the UK, you have pensions, actually. So everything I said about pensions being uncommon, that's in the US. In the UK, employers still largely have pensions. Um, and then they also have what's called the ISA, I-S-A. It's an individual account you can also use to save for your retirement. 
And so the next thing is, now we've talked about both of those accounts and we'll get into them in detail, but let's talk about just generally, right? Where should you start? And why should you invest through your employer first? And I think when you hear about people talking about the order of investing for retirement, you often hear those of us in the personal finance or financial literacy space will say that, you know, please invest to get the employer match first. And I want to explain what that means. So many employers, although not all, but many will offer an employer match for their employees' retirement savings. And so it is a match because the employer will only contribute its part if you and I as employees contribute a certain portion as well. So basically, it is your employer matching your energy. And so, for example, if I work for IBM, this is fictional, and IBM says the company will match 6% dollar for dollar then it means that you as an employee, I as an employee of IBM will need to contribute 6% of my salary to get 6% from my employer. And so what if I only put in 1%? Then it means that IBM will only put in 1% because like I said, it's a matching energy kind of thing. Now, so if you only put in 1%, you're walking away from 5% cold, hard cash. That's just what it is. And so I beg you, (laughs) please contribute to get that employer match or you will be leaving part of your salary on the table because employers consider that amount when they're looking at your overall compensation, they add all of that up together. And so at this point, I've got homework for you because this is a serious episode and I want to make sure that you're actually taking something away from it. So one, the first question is, does your employer offer a match? And number two... How much of a match does your employer offer? I need you to know that for a fact. All right, so moving on. So let's say you've invested up onto your employer match, you know, and maybe you are still able to invest more. You know, should you do that through that investment account with your job that's tied to your job or use some other way of investing? And I'll explain, I'll answer that question. So employer retirement savings plans or options, whether the 401k or the pension, um, they can be great. But depending on the employer, the options may not always be the best um, options for you. And also, investing through an individual type of investment account can give you some a bit more flexibility than your pension or 401k may offer down the line. And I'll talk about that. And so... If you've invested up to the match and you have a bit more that you can invest, I would say consider investing in an IRA in the U.S. or an ISA in the United Kingdom or a TFSA in Canada. All of those accounts are the equivalent of pretty much the same thing in those three different countries. So looking at, again, going back to the order, contributes to the employer match if you have a match then contribute to your IRA to max out your IRA. So if you're listening, you're probably like, what is an IRA? I got you. So IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. And it is an account you can open by yourself without an employer so long as you have earned income. You cannot put in with just money from a gift. It has to be earned income. Um, And you can use it as a vehicle to save for retirement. 
And IRAs also offer tax benefits as an incentive for people to invest them or use those types of accounts. Now, talking about IRA, there are a couple there are two different types of IRAs, right? So there's a traditional or a Roth IRA. And these accounts are just a type of account that can be opened at what you call a brokerage. So brokerage is kind of like the banks for investing. And so a brokerage company is kind of like that intermediary, you know, between buyers and sellers of investments. That's maybe a simple way to explain it. And so you can open different types of accounts for investing through a brokerage. And so when you go to a brokerage or go to their website, you say you want to open accounts. The next thing you do is kind of say what type of account. And then here you can say IRA. And then you can say whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And so when you're thinking about what the main brokerage brokerages are, like what are the main companies where you can open these accounts, there's some smaller players, but these larger players that I'll just list are some of the, because they are big, they might be, they probably are more cost um, efficient and have more retirement options. So they are, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, and Charles Schwab. Okay, so let's now talk about, you know, let me explain what the Roth IRA is and what a traditional IRA is. So I think there are qualification requirements for both. So I'll explain both so you can decide which one you qualify for. And if you qualify for both, it will also help you decide which one is better for you. Okay, so let's start with the Roth IRA. So with the Roth IRA, contributions are not tax tax deductible. And what that means is, you know, once you get your paycheck, you pay your taxes, the net amount is what comes to you. And then after that, you can then now take and decide what amount you want to put towards your IRA. And so you don't get any tax benefits immediately now this year for putting money in your Roth IRA. So the limit for 2022 is 6000 and for 2023, it will be 6500 Now, with the Roth IRA, after five years, so let's say in five years, every year I put $5,000 for five years, I would have contributed $25,000. And so now after five years, I can actually withdraw from my Roth IRA before retirement, but I can withdraw only up to the withdrawals, I mean, the deposits I've put in there. So let's say again, for five years, I put $5,000. And so that's $25,000. And for some reason, five years or six years later, I need to take money out for certain reasons, right? Um, I can take up to $25,000. So let's say the account has grown, the investment has grown to $50,000. I can't take out $50,000 in five years, but I can take out twenty five dollars because that's how much I put in. And then while generally it's not recommended to take money out of retirement, I'll talk about instances where you can do that. Or if life happens and it's an emergency, one of the reasons an IRA is more flexible than a 401k through your employer is that there are instances where you can actually withdraw from it. Um, and so those instances are one, to pay for your first home, to put towards a down payment for your first home, or to pay for education. Um, but normally, let's say you put money, you don't take it out to your retirement, you can start taking it out at the age of 59 and a half. A Roth IRA has income limits. Once you are beyond a certain income level, whether you're single or married, you cannot put money in an IRA. So it's about, I'm not, I don't have the exact number, but you can Google it. It's about 100 and close to 150,000 for a single person. And of course, it's a higher limit if you're married or you have children. And so look into whether or not you qualify for a Roth IRA. 
Now, if you're a high-income earner, there's something about a backdoor Roth IRA, but I think that's complex for this topic, so I'm just going to explain the basics. And then the other thing is that um, with a Roth IRA, because you earned you know, income this year, you paid your taxes, and after that, you now put money in your IRA. Because you've paid tax on the income the year you contributed. Now, let's say you put 25000 in an IRA your whole life, and let's say it grows to 150000 when your retirement that 150,000 you will never have to pay tax on it. And so that's the big benefit of the Roth IRA is that it will grow tax free and whatever it grows to at the time you're taking it out you don't have to pay taxes on. And so the real benefit for those people say IRA a Roth IRA makes sense if you think your tax brackets will be higher at the time you retire. So that way you're paying, you'll be paying a lower tax rate now if your income is lower. And then at the time where, you know, generally taxes always go up generally. So many people um, like to do the Roth IRA because it's like, at least I know what taxes are now. In 2040, you know, when I retire, who knows what it will be? So that's the benefit of the Roth IRA is that you pay tax today, but 20 years down the line, even if the money grows 100 times, you will not have to pay a dollar more. So long as you don't do a penalty, a withdrawal, a withdrawal that requires a penalty. So now let's talk about the traditional IRA. So the big difference with the Roth and traditional is that the traditional, you get the tax benefits now. In Roth, you get the tax benefits in the future, but you pay tax today. In traditional, you get a tax benefit. Your, your tax for the year is reduced based on your contribution. And so that's really the big difference is just the timing of the tax benefits. Both give you tax benefits. Some Traditional is immediate, Roth is in the future. Who qualifies for a traditional IRA? Um, if your income is under a certain level, or if you and your spouse don't have an employer-sponsored plan, then your traditional IRA is fully deductible, which means you don't pay tax on the amount you contribute. And so again, you know, I think you maybe I'll do a blog post that kind of shows, okay, at what point do you qualify or do you not qualify for the traditional IRA? But yes, there are people that will qualify for both the Roth and both the traditional, and then you'll have to pick which one you want to do. And I would say do the traditional if right now money is tight and you still want to put something towards retirement and you qualify for both. So you can do the traditional if money is tight and you want to increase your take-home pay today. Now, if you can afford to pay the taxes today and you think your taxes will go up as you earn more in the future, then the Roth may make sense for you. And so hopefully that's a high level explanation of a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA. And then you can decide, you know, which one you qualify for and then which one you want to start with. Now, the next question is, well, what if my employer doesn't offer retirement savings or a match or they have a plan, but they don't offer a match? What should I start with? If that were me and I you know, had a nine to five, I'm not self-employed. That's a whole different complication there. But I, have a, I, work for, I work for a regular company, I get a paycheck, but my employer either doesn't have a match or doesn't have a plan at all, then an IRA or an ISA or a TFSA is the best way to, is the best option for me. But one thing I want to remind you is that, you know, an IRA, you know, is just an account type. You open the accounts at the brokerage. Opening the accounts is just one step. You still have to then transfer money into the account. And some ways you can do that is to automate that, right? To kind of say, okay, every 15th of each month, take $50 from my bank account, transfer into this account. 
um, to my brokerage account or to my IRA and then, you know, invest. So don't just don't just open the account. Take the next step to transfer money, automate the transfer and then purchase your investment. Don't just put cash in there. Cash in there is not working for you. And so now the next question is, okay, you know, my employer has a match. I've contributed to the match. I've maxed out my IRA, but you know, it looks like I'm now in a place where you have, you know, a bit more that you can invest. What is the next option? And so that's where, you know, it really depends on you, on your goals and where you are financially, right? You could put more in your 401k or employer pension plan up to the maximum that's allowed for the year. If you so choose, you know, or you can open a brokerage account if you are okay with your regular retirement savings and you want to open a brokerage for other investments. So for example, you want to retire early, you know, you can access your retirement funds, you know, super early until you're getting to a certain age. So a regular brokerage, regular investment accounts with tax benefits may be an option for you. So it really depends on where you are, what your financial goals are and how on track you are to meeting those goals. And so the next question is, well, you know, it's great to be thinking about investing for retirement and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm a parent. I have kids. How should I prioritize investing for my retirement versus saving to pay for my kids, for example, university education? And this is a topic that I am so passionate about. I feel pretty strongly about it. Again, it's my opinion, not financial advice, but I think it's worth listening to or considering Um, And I should do a whole episode on this separately anyway. But I think that saving for retirement should be the priority. It is putting on your mask first because, yes, if you take all your money and use it to pay for your kid's education, then the same exact thing is happening because you don't have money for retirement and that same child will have to take care of you. And so I think that you should kind of calculate, okay, how much do I need to retire? And then how much do I need to invest every month in order to attain that goal? That way you actually know what you're working towards. Saving for retirement is building generational wealth because when you take care of yourself, you're giving your child a leg up because they can literally just focus on themselves and just bettering themselves, learning as best they can and going out into the world and solving bigger world problems without having to be another sandwich generation. Now, if it matters to you to be able to somewhat, you know, contribute to your child's education, if you can't pay for all of it, but maybe some of it, Know that, like I said, the Roth IRA, you can use that to pay for education. But if you go ahead and put money in your child's education fund, you cannot use that to support yourself in retirement. So if I were a parent and I wasn't sure if I'll be able to afford my kid's education and save for retirement, I would save for retirement first. And if it got to the point where I had a bit of excess or I could afford it, I would take out then from my Roth IRA to support my child to whatever extent I can through university and pay for education that way. Now, you know, for ex- another way that you can help save for your child's education now, if you don't have a lot of extra funds, because it is it, it costs money, but investing earlier towards your child's education will make a big difference, is opening a college savings account in the U.S. It's called a 529 account. And even every year, just tell your family and friends, hey, I'm just trying to do the best I can. You know, I'm a single mom, or I'm not a single mom, but... You know, I know you want to buy my kid gifts, but can you at least say, you know, put 50% of that in cash and give it to me and I would like to invest in their college fund. 
or you can just tell people, you know, 75, 20, 25% split or whatever, you know, especially when kids are young, like age one to five, they don't care for crazy gifts. So I would say encourage your family and friends to give towards your kid's college. And even whatever you're able to, even if it's $200 a year, you're able to invest, that money will compound that by the time your child is 18, you'll be amazed how much $250 for five years and how far that can go. And I think I'm going to do a reel to show how little amounts each year can grow over time for a child. So look out for that um, on Instagram, of course, making some general assumptions about the market and all of that. Um, So this is all I wanted to share just about introduction to retirement investing. To recap what I said, you know, I started with talking about employer savings options, whether a pension or 401k or group program with an employer, um, why it's important to get the employer match. And then I talked about, you know, opening a separate brokerage account and investing for retirement for yourself through an IRA or an ISA or a TFSA, depending on your country. And then if you have more, looking at either increasing your 401k to the max, opening a brokerage account, or making other investments depending on your personal goals. Don't do things because everybody said to do it. Make sure that there, I mean, of course, there's wisdom out, out there, but make sure that it is applicable for your financial situation. I'd really love to know if this episode was helpful to you, if there are things you'd like me to break down, things specifically you'd like me to cover in a future blog post that maybe I'll try to have at the beginning of next year. I don't want to overpromise. Um, but please let me know if this was helpful, if this answered your question. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and let's go invest for retirement. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what? popping and you amplify our message to other potential listeners and last but not least please follow us at instagram at the rich immigrant and as we go out into the world i hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home ciao bye odavo see you next time